Good morning, church. Come on. As we have the opportunity to open God's word, as we gather together, would you open your copy of God's word to Romans chapter 8? We have an opportunity to kick off a brand new series. So if you are a guest with us, welcome. I'm Pastor John Feek. And so I know that for some of us, we're either newer to the Bible, we didn't grow up with the Bible, and so we get pretty excited about just breaking down God's Word so that it's understandable, so that we know what to do with it and apply it. And this series, I'm praying, is going to be so powerful in your life. We're talking about the battle. We're not talking about a battle that some people face. We're talking about anyone that says yes to Jesus is going to face a battle. And the, the battle is real. The struggle is real. Somebody say the struggle is real. And it's not like some people aren't struggling and other people are. If we ever take a step into the light, all hell breaks loose to ensure that we go right back to where we started. And so we just got to get really honest about this battle. And this battle is going to take us through a number of passages that just bring absolute clarity. Clarity that moves us to urgency, not just to be hearers of the Word, but to be doers of this Word. God does not ask us just to think about what He says. He calls us to do what He says, to come under His leadership. And I don't know if you've made that decision. We just heard five individuals from all different backgrounds, different ages. They all said, yes, I am going to follow. I'm going to follow. Hopefully you're excited about that. A few of us, a few of us. It doesn't matter exactly where we start. It matters how we continue on. And so I know for a few of us in the house that maybe we have faced a couple battles and, and maybe you're in a place where you just said, I'm done. I quit. I, I, I don't need this. I don't deserve this. I don't want this. And I, I wonder if today God's saying, get back in the fight. Get back to it. For some of us, we haven't even started. And what if today could be the day that you would just say, I need to begin this journey with Jesus. I need to say yes today. I've been trying to live, trying to figure it out my own way. It's not working. And guess what? Here's the secret. Your way is broken and it's never going to work. And it doesn't matter how good your plan is. And it doesn't matter how confident you are in yourself. The end of this journey is always death and regret. Unless, let me say unless. Unless you're fighting with somebody and his name is Jesus. Unless He is with you, unless you are walking with Him, unless you're tapping into the resources that only He can offer, unless you are armored up and you are ready with the battle plan and you know what the agenda is and you know how to fight, then here's what's guaranteed. Here's the other secret. I know, I know. It always works. His way always works. His way always leads to victory. No more regret. I, I hope you're here this morning saying, I'm so sick of regret. I'm so sick of the broken cycles and, and the recording over and over and I'm hearing the same voices and I'm following the same instruction manual. And what if today you would just break free and say, God, talk to me. Tell me what to do. I want to live your way. Well, Romans 8 is an awesome place to start. And so it's on page 942 in my Bible. Somebody say, who cares? Who cares? Yeah, who cares? I don't care where I find it. I care where you're finding it in your copy of God's Word. And so please, please, would you do me a favor? I, for some of us, I, I, I know that we're, we're not good friends yet, but do me a favor. Don't take my word for it. Don't listen to what I have to say. I need you to see what God has said. Wherever I'm saying what God said, don't argue with the messenger. I'm just the mailman, all right? All right, don't send the dog after the UPS guy. He's just dropping off the package, okay? All right? So wherever God says it, and then I just repeat it, talk to God about that, right? 
And if I, if I slip up or get off course, just go ahead and delete, right? For some of us a little bit older, go ahead and get the white out, right? And just gone, done, all right? For most of us, hit delete, backspace, 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 done. Anything that God has said, that's where we're going, right? That's what we're fired up about. So Romans 8, as we look at the series, the battle, and we're going to be asking this question, if the struggle is real, the battle is real, we got to ask a big question, where is this battle taking place? And the primary place that we need to be focused on is the battlefield is in your mind. It's inside of you. And if you don't know how God designed you, if you don't know how you're wired, if you don't know your inner world by the maker, the creator that made you, if you don't know his blueprint, if you don't know the architecture of your inner world, you're already losing. And so we need to do a little bit of just a survey today and then every week we're just going to go a little deeper, a little deeper, okay? I'm going to be patient, okay? We're going to be gentle. We're going to take our time. And we're going to start with asking these questions. Do I know how God has wired me? Do I know what's going on inside of me? Do I know where the real problem is found? And I pray that today you would at least have just a little glimpse of, I think it's getting clear of what's wrong. And it has a lot more to do with me than it does him or her or them or anything around me. My biggest problem might just be me and you're the only one that's responsible, and you're the only one that has control over what you do with you because you ain't changing nothing outside of you. God's pretty fired up about changing everything in you. And what if today could be the day that you say, God, have your way. Have your way. Romans 8, we're going to be looking at this. Verses 6 through 9, just a few verses. Just a few verses. And if you are taking notes, I want you to jot this down. Know the battlefield. Know the battlefield. If you want to take notes, write this down. Know the battlefield. It's mind, flesh, and spirit. Mind, flesh, and spirit. Romans 8, starting in verse 6, says this. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome, so applicable to us today. For to set the mind, there it is, the mind. Somebody say mind, right? To, to lock in and set your mind on the flesh is, oh, bad news, bad news. It's death. It's death. But, somebody say but. Do you, do you believe that there are some gloriously big buts in the Bible and we don't want to miss them where there is a huge contrast and we're seeing that there's an old but there's a new. There, there is a former way and there's something that God is doing in a way of newness in our lives. And here's the contrast. But to set the mind on the Spirit, somebody say Holy Spirit, it's life. It's life. It's life and peace. So we're talking flesh versus Spirit. Flesh versus Spirit for for a few of us in the house, we have walked through Romans 8 recently. For others, we have been through Galatians 5. And for those that are maybe late to the game, we have this cosmic battle going on, and it's flesh and spirit. The Spirit of God is doing and moving and saying one thing, and the flesh, we're not talking our physical, right? We're not, we're not talking the meat, right? We're not talking our physical bodies. We're talking about uh, the old natural us, our old stubborn, selfish selves, right? The flesh. And do you believe that, that they're in agreement? Uh, turn to your neighbor and say, not so much. Uh, not, not, not so much. In fact, they're at war because it's a, it's a battle. It's a battle. And the battle rages. And here we see one leads to death and one leads to life and peace. 
And I was flipping through Romans as I have a habit of looking at context. Some of us, we, we know this, that we can't just do some lucky dipping. La, 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 la. God speak to me. Humana, humana. Oh, that's my verse for the day. Instead, when we see a verse, we go, well, what came before it? And what comes after it? I need context. Who's writing it? Who is it written to? And if we back up in Romans 5, we see this, that Paul has been emphasizing this theme he says in verse 1 of Romans 5 therefore since we have been justified by faith we've we've had a number of people walk into that water this morning saying there was a moment in my life that I was justified what what does justification mean what does it mean to be justified uh can, can we bring it down can we bring it down uh anytime we see the word justify we know that it means god sees me just as if i never sinned just as if i've always been perfect and that happens in a moment not over time so if if anybody has lied to you maybe you've been lied to has anybody ever been lied to i've been lied to a lot maybe at some point along the way somebody said you just gotta work harder at being better and you you just gotta you gotta try to get right with god and just over time you can just work at it and stop doing the bad and start doing the good and maybe jump through some hoops and check off some boxes and i don't know about you but maybe a few people have uh, even people that you you trusted gave you a list of this is how you get right with god here's the list and i i've sat down with mormons i've sat down with jehovah's witnesses i grew up in the lutheran church i've sat down with catholics i've sat down with everybody and i go how do you get to heaven how do you get right with god you got to do this and this and this and this and this. And everybody's got a list, okay? Can we just be honest? Everybody's got a list. Do you know that there's some, some hokey Baptists out there? They, they got lists too, okay? All right, so we're just equal opportunity haters, all right? All right, just hating on everybody. Just kidding. We love, we love, but we, we love clarity. And if it's confusing as to how do I get right with God, here, here's the key. Justification by faith. How do I get right by faith, not works. It's never been by works. It's only by the work of Jesus. And, and how well did, did Jesus do the work? Uh, perfectly, right? He lived perfectly. He always obeyed where we have always fallen short. He was perfect all the way in his obedience to death, death on a cross. He died because we deserved it, and he rose again, guaranteeing we can rise again if, somebody say if, yeah. not, not if we follow the list, but if we trust in the one who took care of it all. Justification. I've been made right by faith. I love this. Romans 5.1. What's the result of getting right in a moment? We get right with God in a, in a moment. It happens in a moment when we return from our sin and we go to God. We say, God, Forgive me. I, I believe in you, Jesus. It says we have peace with God. Somebody say that's awesome. So you're saying that I can have peace with God? Yeah. How long is that going to take? And what do I have to do? And what, what, what's the process? It's a moment where we were at war and we were fighting and I was ignoring and I was doing my thing and God was calling me. And in a moment, I can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 7 of Romans 8, it says this, not just that there's life and there's peace in the Spirit through Jesus by faith, but he goes on in verse 7, for the mind that's set on the flesh, ooh, 
if the Holy Spirit's not living in me, if I'm not a Christian in the flesh, I'm hostile to God. Anybody understand hostility? Uh, hatred, war. For some, some of us in the room this morning, can we have a moment of honesty? If you don't know Jesus, if you have not been saved, rescued, born again, justified, you're at war with God. The battle is not between you and your husband or your wife or you and your kids or you and your coworkers. If you're not following Jesus, the battle is between you and God. And He always wins. And He is pursuing and He's calling and He's inviting for us to have peace. So I don't know if you're at peace with God, but it's not a process. It's a moment. Has that moment happened to you where you went from hostility to peace? Where you went from rebellion to submission? Where you followed the way of the world, the way of your own desires, and then you turned and now you're following Jesus obediently if that hasn't happened, your greatest battle is vertical. It has nothing to do with what's going on around you. Our first step is, i got to get right with God. i got to get right with God. I need to take that first step so that there can be peace because there's hostility right now. For it does not, what, what happens to the flesh again and again? It does not submit to God's law. <laughs> Paul, help us out. What do you mean by that? Indeed, it cannot. The flesh cannot submit. Well, I feel like if I'm just a little bit more disciplined and, and I'm working on my morality and I'm working on my mouth and I'm working on changing my behavior, here's the news flash that Paul wants us to know this morning. In your flesh, apart from God, you cannot submit to God. You will not. That's all of us. And for some of us, we're really aware of it of I try and I fail and I try and I fail because I am not submitting to God. I haven't started the journey with God. I'm trying to do it on my own. And for some of us, we recognize, man, I fought and fought and fought and fought and then I waved the white flag. I surrender. I surrender. I'm done. June 16th of 2002, Father's Day, driving in my car, facing 20 years in prison, three weeks away from my final court date, three felony accounts, I waved the white flag and said, I surrender. I am so sick and tired of being a rebel and trying to do it my way and trying to figure it out myself and trusting that I was sprinkled as a baby and I went through catechism and I jumped through the hoops and, and I'm still empty because religion doesn't save and I longed for something that was meaningful and fulfilling and purpose in my life and I looked everywhere, shopped around horizontally until finally hostility turned into surrender peace with god peace with god how awesome is that but in the flesh can't do it can't do it turn your neighbor and say you can't do it you can't do it can't do it not in the flesh verse 8 those that are in the flesh cannot please god cannot please god the transformation of the mind and the spirit is supernatural if you don't hear anything else the rest of the morning you can't change you You can't change you. I couldn't change me, and it's not because I'm weak. It's because I finally got honest. I've never had the ability to change me. You'll never have the ability to change you unless. Unless the Spirit is alive in you and the flesh 
dies. That's supernatural. You can't work at it. You can't try to have a 31-day self-help program. There's no medication, no pills. There's no change of scenery. There's no change of uh, partners. There's no change of kids. Don't want my kids. If I didn't have my kids, my life would be so much better, right? Peace. If I had a different spouse, man, peace. Man, if I didn't have had a different job, if I lived in a different town, and guess what? There is peace found nowhere until there's peace in your heart with God when you finally say yes. Yes, God. I can't fix me, but you can, God. And guess what? Uh, only, only God changes felons into pastors because that's what God does. Only God can convert the most vile, the most wicked, the most rebellious to become servants of the Most High. Only God does that. I don't know if that's happened in your life, but transformation is supernatural. You can't change you, but he loves changing people, and he does. And guess what? Over the next months, more stories, right? More baptisms of, he changed me. He changed me because God transforms people. He doesn't save us to leave us. He saves us to change us. He doesn't save us so we can check a box and go, going to heaven, got a one-way ticket out of hell to heaven, Fire insurance is mine. Now I'm going to live however I want to. Turn your neighbor and say, wrong answer, wrong answer. He changes us. Well, here's, here's an image. If we, if we have a slide of just this internal battle, and most of it happens in our minds. And what is happening in your mind is there's a worship battle. And this is true of every single person. You either, and I know this about you, is this pastor psychic? How does he know? I read the book. I read the book. And I, I know this about you. You are either going to worship God or worship yourself. And those are the only two options. Because you're either going to walk in the flesh or you're going to walk in the spirit. And those are the only two options. And the primary focal point, the battlefield that all of us have is it's primarily in here. It's inside of us. It's a war that nobody sees. It's a battle of anxiety and depression. It's a battle of worship. It's a battle of who am I going to serve and who am I going to live for? Whose desire is going to rule? Is it going to be the flesh or is it going to be the spirit? Those are the only two options. And I don't know where you've been. Just take a quick evaluation over this past year. Has it been a year of flesh? Of selfishness? Of me, me, me? Or has this been a God year? A God of more of you, God, less of me. More of your way, less of my way. Who's winning in that battle? And if you want to jot this down, when you starve your flesh and feed the Spirit, you begin to supernaturally change. Because the Christian life is, is maybe... Uh, entertain me, okay? All right, go along with it. Go along with it, all right? I don't need any emails. Don't need any texts about... Preacher, dude, you're way off base. I don't see the boat imagery. No illustration in the Bible about the, the boat, okay? Just work with me, all right? If you are living your entire life in the flesh, just think about a sea that your boat is on. And you have a choice. If you are a Christian, you now have a choice of whether God is going to sail your boat skimming across the sea of selfishness and you're gaining momentum and you're making progress because the Holy Spirit is the one filling your sails and He is pushing you with His rudder into the right direction. 
or you are constantly fighting where your boat's dipping down into the water and you're, you're taking on water and you're trying to bail it out and then you, you take a little bit more and, and pretty soon half your boat's filled with water and you're going nowhere other than going under. And I wonder if we would just acknowledge until you die, you are going to be constantly in this sea of selfishness. The flesh is not going to completely die but you don't have to live underwater. You don't have to be drowning in your selfishness. You don't have to be dominated and ruled by your sinful desires. But I would just ask, where is it that you find yourself consistently dipping in and taking on water and you're doing the same thing over and over again? Can we get a little bit more specific? Where are you seeing that generation after generation after generation, we keep doing the same thing? Have you ever had anybody say, you're just like your mom, you're just like your dad, your grandfather used to do that, your grandma was like that, and we repeat and repeat and repeat because instead of being filled with the Spirit and making progress and sailing and occasionally hitting a wave where your flesh just dumps into the boat, you find yourself stalled out in the ocean of selfishness and you just, in the same spots, you just keep dipping in more flesh, more selfishness, and you feel like, I'm going under. There's, there's two options here. Either you're going to stay at the helm and you're going to be steering this thing. I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. Or Jesus is going to be at the helm saying, not that way, this way. We're, we're going to go in this direction now. We're going to gain some momentum. We're not going to go under. We're not going to make the same mistakes. We're, we're going to break free from the old. God's in the business of new and he's in the business of transformation that picks up momentum. So I, I don't know if you have thought the thought, I'm trying to figure it out myself. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to figure out the problem. I think I can fix it. That's a terrible plan. Okay? Can we have, are we allowed to tell the truth in, in church? It's a terrible plan to think, I have what it takes to figure out and fix my own problem. Because the bad news is, you are the problem. And you can't fix it. Somebody's got to fix it for you but that means you got to trust in somebody outside of you. And I know even in a room this size, how many of us are going, I don't trust people, I don't trust people, I don't trust people, I can't trust anybody, I can't trust anybody. There is the God-man, Jesus Christ, and He is worthy of all of your trust. He is worthy of your full confidence because He cannot fail. He doesn't know how. He's never done it. He ain't planning on it anytime soon. His plan is perfect. His ways are absolutely clear. The issue is I have to say, I don't have it in me. I need him outside of me, above me, in front of me, and in charge of me. He is the king. He's the boss. He's the one that is the captain of this boat. And I'm sick and tired of more and more death, more death, more death, more death. I just want peace. I just want life. And whether that's in your marriage, in your parenting, if that's in just your own mind where the battlefield is, God would say today, peace can be yours. Life can be yours. If you're done doing your thing your way. You're not going to go under with Him. The Holy Spirit assists in addressing the me problem as I trust my Heavenly Father with the them problem. Anybody got a them problem? Just those people, these things around me, these circumstances, guess who takes care of that? Not you. God does. So Jesus can steer me through the storm in a new direction that leads to life. So your flesh plays a much bigger part maybe than you realize. Maybe you're at the center of most, if not all of the problems that are going on 
And if we would just admit it, if we would confess it, God loves it when we just get honest. Just going to confess it. I play a part in this. It might be me. The common denominator is me. This keeps happening because it's me. And we're not saying if you are a victim and you have been abused and you've been attacked and you have been wrongfully, we're not saying in all of those scenarios, well, yeah, it was your fault. It was your fault. But if we're really, really honest, we can look back and go, the, the common theme is it's me. And God has a plan to take us from death to life. And it's through Jesus. It's only through Jesus. So let me ask you this. Is there areas, maybe just one, we'll start with one, okay? Somebody say, take it easy on me. All right, all right, here we go. Just one. Is there one particular area that you can get really honest about and say, I know that there's an area of stubborn flesh in my life. There is a reoccurring pattern in my life that I keep going back to that thing. We are all fellow sinners. Hopefully that's not a surprise. There's nobody perfect in this room, especially this guy. But guess what? We all sin differently. Our battles are a little different. We have a little different flavor going on of what our battle looks like. And it's really, really hard for us just to get honest and say, here's my thing. Here's the thing that I keep going back to. What is it for you? What is it for you that you're like, I will never have victory over this. I keep going back to this. Every single time, it's like I, I can just set a clock and know that, okay, it's that time again. Here's the timer. It's a matter of time before I get back there, before I do that thing again. And do you believe that God is able and willing and absolutely passionate about changing us even in the places where we feel the most trapped, the most stuck, the most hopeless? Do you believe that? And this is the really hard truth. We are so confident that God can change other people. And the area of struggle that we have is, but not me. I believe that God can give freedom and victory for them, but not me. And what if today God would be so gracious to change your mind, and not just your mind about that, to change your heart, to change your life, that you would taste victory, freedom, that he would set you free because you choose no more death, no more flesh, I need the Spirit. God, I need you. Only you can do this. Only you can overcome this. Only you can conquer this. The battle is real. The struggle is so real. So God, fight it. Fight it for me. Fight the right enemy, the right fight. If you're taking notes, know your enemies. Who are these enemies that, that I need to be fighting? Well, we've spent a little bit of time on one, but you know that there are others. If you would discover with me from Ephesians 2, anybody interested in going there? Go there with me, okay? All right, I can wait, I can wait. If you're already in Romans, just flip forward a little bit, okay, towards the back. Ephesians, Ephesians 2, also written by Paul to the church in Ephesus. And Paul was starting churches and planting everywhere. And everywhere he went, in every city, do you know what he discovered? Every single person was struggling with the exact same thing. Do you believe you're in good company? For thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, mankind has always been struggling in the exact same places with the same problems. But because of Jesus, there's been a solution if we would just receive it. But we need to fight the right enemies. Here we go. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead. And you were dead. Why is there so much death? I came to church not for death, but for a little bit of life. Can I get some life? Well, before we get to the life part, we got to be honest about the death part. And Paul was so honest about the real problem 
There's so much death and we need to be honest about where that death comes from. Where is the enemy? You were dead. He's talking to Christians now. If you're a follower of Jesus, part of your testimony, did you hear anybody say that? I used to, I used to, I used to. The old me, I was dead, 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 dead. Paul says, you were dead. Somebody say, not sick. Somebody help me out. You were dead. You weren't sick. You weren't, you weren't on life support. You were dead in what? Not physically. You were dead in the trespasses, in the breaking of law and of sin in, whence, in, in which you once walked. You used to walk that way. Every time Paul talks about walk, he's talking about a lifestyle. This is just what you do. This is the way you live. You once were dead spiritually. The battle was real because you didn't have any spiritual resources on the battlefield and your fight was primarily with God and you were dead on that battlefield because of your choices, not somebody else's, because you chose. Nobody made you. You went that way of death. You walked that way. You lived that way. So he says, I'm going to tell you who your enemies really are. Here it is. You used to, you used to follow the course of this world. Somebody say world. So that's our first enemy, the world. Uh, are we talking about planet Earth? Somebody say, not that. Uh, not, not that, right? When we're talking about the world, we're not just talking about generally physical world that we live in. Every time Scripture says a certain word, we need to go, what does that mean? What, what does he mean by that, right? And so world here is an entire system that is set up based on a foundation of sin that is pursuing self and selfishness. We have a problem. God didn't save us and then boop, pluck us out of the world. Why didn't he do that? Wouldn't that be awesome? Jesus, I repent of my sins. Forgive me. I want to trust in Jesus and believe in him. And then all of a sudden, whoop, up in heaven. Done, right? No more struggle. How awesome would that be? Somebody say that would be awesome. That would be really awesome. But instead, what does he do? God leaves us in the world. The happy world? The Disney world? Is that where you live? Is that where we live? The sin-cursed world. This lost and dark world. Anybody feeling it? And it's getting darker and darker. We're in the world. It's an enemy. And we need to acknowledge, I can't be a friend of the world and a friend of God. We can't do both. But He didn't take me out. He left me here for a purpose. So I need to acknowledge, I'm in a battle. The world, enemy, enemy. What else does He say? You used to follow the course of the world. You were in the lazy river of lava, destroying your soul, just floating down, having a party. And he says, who's behind it? You used to. Somebody say, you used to. You used to follow the prince of the power of the air. Who's this cat? Who are we talking about? Who are we talking about? The prince of the power of the air. It's a, uh, an old way of saying the devil. The devil, right? Temporarily, he has jurisdiction in this world. Because this world is sin-cursed, because we are living in a fallen world, one day God's going to make everything new. He's going to undo all the bad. Only good is going to remain. But until then, Satan has a little bit of power, a little bit of oversight, a little bit of jurisdiction in this world. So not only is there a course, a system of sin swirling around us, but somebody is on a temporary throne ready to go down, and his name is the devil, Satan, Lucifer. 
He is opposed to Christians. He, if you're a Christian, he hates you. He was okay with you as long as you obeyed him and you kind of just keep going, keep floating down, easy path, wide open. You do you. You do what feels good for you. You do what's right in your eyes. You're the smartest person in the world. You have everything you need inside of you. You just follow your heart. And we said, yes, Satan. Yes, Satan. Yes, Satan. And if anybody in this room has said, I no longer have allegiance to Satan, I'm with King Jesus. In a moment, Satan says, it's on. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to hunt you down. I'm going to eat you and spit you out. I'm going to do whatever it takes to destroy you. You now have been unfaithful to my team. Now you're waving the banner of Team Jesus. Not on my watch. And the moment you said yes to Jesus was the day that you have a bullseye on your back. And the world is already hard enough to fight and resist temptation. Now you have minions. You have demons. You have all hell against you following the prince of the power of the air the devil somebody say the devil that's one of your enemies the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience anywhere you see disobedience satan is behind it he's with it he is working through it what does verse 3 say among whom here's a moment of honesty among whom we all once lived all and, and many of you know that I'm practically a, a Bible scholar and that I, I know Greek pretty well. And I did a deep dive and I did a study of all in the Greek and all is all, all will ever mean. All means all, okay? So that's why you pay me the big bucks so I can do the research to come bring it right to the table and serve you so well. So are some of us not coming from that past? Are, are some of us maybe born into the world pretty good people, not following the world system, not listening to Satan? Were there some of us like that? Shake your head. Because all means all, including me and including you. All of us used to do that. And if we're really honest, maybe some of us are we're still there. We're still floating on the lazy river, coasting down, not knowing that there's a waterfall at the end and it plummets to destruction and death. We have enemies, the world, the devil. What, what else do we have? <laughs> Somebody say, that's enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, please stop, please stop. Uh, nope, there's more, there's more. And this is where we started and this is where we're going to end. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Somebody say flesh. There it is. The world, the devil, and the flesh. If we think about the enemies of our soul, there they are. It's the unholy trinity at work in all all of us from the beginning unless there's a battle won for us. That's where we remain. What does Paul say? Carrying out the desire of the body and the mind. What do people do that live in the world and they're of the world and they're listening to slave master Satan? What do they do? Whatever they want. <laughs> they just carry out the desires of their body. If it feels good, do it. How's that American experiment going, by the way, in our culture? How's that, how's that going? It's leading to some like awesome results. Let's teach a generation, if it feels good, do it. If you're really passionate about it, follow your heart. If you're fully convinced in your mind that it's right, don't let anybody tell you it's wrong. If you haven't watched the news or you haven't spoken 
to anybody in the past 25 years. Maybe you don't know, but the experiment is failing miserably. It's Satan's message, recycled and repackaged, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Whatever you think, whatever you want, whatever feels good. And here's what Paul says, God's speaking to us, that we were by nature children of wrath. Because God doesn't let us just get away with anything forever. There's going to come a day of, of judgment. And God says, we're already under wrath. We're already under judgment. How passionate are you about justice? Never before have we been in a place that we are passionate about justice in the way that we are today. But we're passionate about all the wrong justices because nobody wants to talk about, I deserve justice. So how many laws do I have to break before I'm a criminal? One. Has anybody in this room sinned one time in their entire life? So what happens when you break the laws of the state, of the nation? You're, you're punished according to the, the laws of the land. What happens when you break God's law? You suffer the consequences of not just a judge, but the judge. And James tells us, in the book of James, it says if we've failed even in one area of the law, we're guilty of the whole thing. Somebody say, ouch. That's really bad news. No wonder there's so much death. Because if there's no solution to our sin problem and our death problem, there's going to be more and more death, not only that we live out and we experience, but we just keep dishing it out to others. Everybody around us experiences more and more death unless God brings life. And guess what? He does. He does. He does. He brings life to those that would turn from this pattern, this lifestyle, and say, I'm so done living my way. I'm done living for the devil. God, I'm yours. I'm ready to live for you completely, wholeheartedly. And all of a sudden, these enemies, there's now somebody bigger, somebody stronger. Do you believe that? There's somebody bigger than this world system. There's somebody more powerful than the devil for God created Satan, right? Unlike what uh, Mormons teach, Jesus and Satan are not brothers. They're not homeboys. They don't kick it, yo. Guess what? One is the creator. One is creation. And God is the victor in the end. He is bigger. He is better than the world, the devil, and the flesh. And so somebody say, land the plane. Come on. Here we go. Let, let's wrap up as the worship team comes. I want us to consider these last three because I want us to be crystal clear that as we think about these three enemies, we can think about it in battle imagery. Okay, So here's a way to think about the world. We could say there are landmines everywhere in this world. There are landmines that we can either step on or we can avoid. There are things that we can do to look ahead and know that if I step on that, I'm a goner. Could I ask you this? If we are living in a world with so many landmines, so many traps, so much temptation, do you have a wise counselor? Who do you know that loves Jesus and knows the truth and that you're like, I need to spend as much time as I can because I'm so sick and tired of stepping on all the landmines and my life blows up and my marriage blows up
and in my parenting and at my workplace and in my finances, and there are landmines everywhere. If somebody could have just warned me, if somebody that, that is a few steps ahead of me could have just taken me by the hand and said, nope, nope, there's a landmine over there. Let's go this way. Do you have a friend like that? Do you have a counselor that knows Jesus, not knows the world's counsel, but actually knows heavenly counsel and is willing to tell you the truth about what to avoid and what to turn away from so that it can save you so much heartache? Anybody in favor of that? I'm tired of being tired all the time with regrets and mistakes. I need somebody that kind of has the map, that knows the way. And how about this? Sometimes we can be helped to avoid certain pitfalls and temptations with those landmines. But if you're a follower of Jesus, one thing that we know is that the devil is a sniper. And when you don't see him, he is attacking. Can I ask you this? If you are under attack in battle, who's covering you? Who's got your six? If you're in the foxhole, who's with you? Are you all alone? And never before have we been so connected as a nation with technology and never before have we been so alone. We're under attack and we're in isolation. We have a bullseye and nobody is there to cover us. And do you know what we do? We blame everybody for not being there for us. Can we have a moment of clarity in God's house? It's your responsibility to get the covering, to get the backup. It's your responsibility to say, I need help. Could you come in and walk with me? Could you guard me and protect me? Could we do this together? I need you. Could we practice that right now? Some of the hardest words for us to say, I need help. Can we say that together? I need help. I don't need help from the world. I need, I need God's help and I need help from God's people. I need somebody that knows the battle I'm in. I need help. There are no mind readers in this room. If you need help and you didn't tell anybody, it's not their responsibility. It's yours. Nobody just sees and knows all of your needs. God sees it and God says, I gave you the church. <laughs> I gave you the whole church. I gave you everything you needed. I provided you with the answers and the solutions. You refused. You refused. You're naked on the battlefield, standing wide open. God says, get the Calvary ready. Get your troop. Let's do this together. And here's the hardest part. It's one thing to, to want prayer warriors in your life. It's another thing to say, God's calling me to step up and be the prayer warrior to start working alongside and covering people. I need to step into my position because my brothers and sisters are dropping like flies. They're getting shot at and they're not under protection. They're wide open. They're vulnerable. And maybe a few of us would just say, not on my watch. Not on my watch. I'm going to go in. I'm going to do the work. And lastly, there's a double agent at work. Your own voice in your own head is saying, we're friends. I have your best interest in mind. Here is the counsel you should take. This is what you should do. And we have a voice in our head yapping away. And it's a double agent because our flesh is not for us. It's against us. And our own friendly voice that is telling us good, helpful pieces of advice is working against us. 
So you can hide from the world and you can try to duck and cover from Satan. But guess what? Everywhere you go, you're always there. And if there is sin within, we need help. We need accountability partners. When is the last time that you said, I'm struggling with sin. I am stuck and I'm trapped. I need help. When's the last time you grabbed somebody by the hand and said, I need prayer. And in our church, we're kind of just done with, I just have a silent prayer, just an unspoken prayer. We need to say, I have a very spoken prayer. I need help in this very specific area and I need somebody to pray with me, walk with me, go with me, and I need accountability. Don't just tell me what to do. Hold me accountable to actually follow through. Don't just receive wisdom. Be able to have somebody that's walking with you saying, are you doing it? Are you doing it? Are you doing it? I don't want to be judged though, right? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Do you know how you can avoid ever being judged again? You can just go to somebody and say, I'm struggling with sin. Hold me accountable. And when you hold me accountable, I won't feel judged ever again because I just told you what I'm struggling with. And when you bring it up, I go, yep, I am struggling with that. Yep, it really is that bad. I really do need that much help. No one is ever going to offend me again because I just let it out there. And I'm changing. And I'm getting the help I need to grow and mature because there are enemies that are trying to destroy me. The world is not your friend. Satan is not your friend. Your flesh is not your friend. The battle is real. The struggle is real. Anybody in the house ready to fight and win?